Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Talking Talky podcast. Slightly different one again this this week. Um, obviously, we've had some guests on recently. And with the game against Wrexham coming up on Saturday, we've decided to get the perspective of a Wrexham fan. Um, basically, because of the, the takeover and what have you that's happened in the last 12 months, um, we thought it'd be good to get someone's perspective from that side. So with that in mind, we're joined by Dan Rowe. Hi, guys. How are you? And Rowena Williams. Hello. So, I mean, we get straight into it, Dan. Um, obviously, the, the biggest thing with Wrexham is, is the takeover. Um, talk us through the, the kind of media circus, I suppose, that surrounded the club over the last 12 months. Uh, it's, it's been crazy, to say the, uh, to say the least, to, to be honest with you. And um, I think when the news came out, and I remember it very very well, as as I'm sure most Wrexham fans uh, will do, and, and fans around the world, where it was announced that the the two guys, Rob and Ryan, were were taking over our football club, and uh, it's just bizarre. I mean, we're we're Wrexham. We've been in non-league for what 350 years. It feels like nowadays, and we were fan-owned and struggling on the pitch financially. Did very well off the pitch, um, but I think the frustrations were starting to, to rise and the fact that we we weren't putting together real challenges in terms of, of getting out of the, the league, as our chairman describes this fucking league. Um, and we were no closer to doing that. So there was an impetus and there was a need for it to uh, to, to come about. But yeah, when the two guys were announced as as, as our new owners, it, it's it's beyond parody, I think, for National League, isn't it? It's quite interesting you said you were fan-owned before. Um, how did you feel then about now being owned by somebody else again? Um, I think positive in a, in, a, in a lot of ways because I think you can see what the two guys bring to not just Wrexham but the community. I think it was very clear from all aspects of the, um, the interactions that we've had with our new owners that the community came first. And the power of the community is actually reflective in the football club and vice versa. So um, the supporters trust did a great job. We were, um, what, 24 hours away from going out of business um, only 10 years ago. And um, they did a great job in terms of bringing it together, stabilising it and, and giving us a sound financial footing, which if we hadn't had, then who knows to say whether or not they, they would have actually invested in, in us in it. As, as, a, as an entity, as a football club. So they've done a great job, but I just think we needed something different. Um, I think the whole fan base was ready for it. I don't think any of us were expecting who we got, um, but we're certainly not complaining either. Did they no, ever say like why they picked Wrexham? Was it a random thing? Do they have a connection to there or...? Yeah, so there's no local, there's no necessarily local connection for, for the two. Um, there was a couple of things that they were they were looking at. They wanted an underdog. Um, they wanted a club that was connected to the community. They wanted a club that had history. So obviously we're the third oldest um, professional football club in the world. Uh, we've also got the oldest international football stadium um, in the world as well. So there's plenty of heritage there. There's the, obviously the story of, of the fans taking over 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, we raised the fans raised £127,000 in 24 hours, literally to keep us in the league. Um, so there's a back, there's plenty of backstory there. But then in addition to that, you've got to look at we're fan owned, so they didn't actually really have to fork out any money to buy the club. Um, 
in North Wales, there's a population of of half a million. Um, I'm probably going to get that wrong, so I'm sure there's probably more, but around about half a million people and one professional football club in, within the English pyramid system. So the actual reach is 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 huge. So I think they were a lot to do with uh, the the decisions that they that they took to choose our our beautiful football club. From the outside, it certainly seemed like a an interesting few months sort of whilst they when they were first introduced I think there was a, an aspect of it maybe being a, a bit of a publicity stunt for them um, and then when it sort of actually went through you thought okay they, they were sort of deadly serious about it um, I mean obviously there's been so many changes since the takeover went through um, you know things like your, your Netflix documentaries and and your TikTok sponsorships and, and things like that which are obviously, you know, raising the profile of the club massively. They've obviously invested in the playing side. Is that, do you feel, balanced out in the money that they've spent with the sponsorship that's come in? Or are they overreaching at the moment to try and get to the Football League? Uh, this is something that I think from the outside looking in, I've seen a lot of fans make a lot of comments. And I mean, I think all Wrexham fans are probably getting bored to death of being compared to Salford. Um, who operated in the in huge amounts of losses to, to to get through get through the leagues, and I think all you need to do is is to look at Wrexham. We've got over six thousand season ticket holders. We've generated over a million pounds worth of sponsorship deals with the likes of TikTok, Expedia, Aviation Gin, uh, Macron, all these kind of addition uh, additional kind of sponsors that have come to the club, which which never never would have been attracted to, to Wrexham as much as I love our club. They never would have been attracted to that. So we generated over a million quid. That's not including the documentary, which doesn't go out till I think the first series goes out next year, which as our, one of our advisors to, to, uh, to the board has announced that it's going to be the biggest commercial deal that Wrexham sees. So as opposed to maybe other clubs that are out and about, then when you're generating over a million quid, you can afford to spend a bit of money. As, as, as well um, and I, I think the uh, the weekly salaries that, that people are quoting for some of our players are exaggerated slightly I would say. And how do you feel about it personally because you know something that I always love about supporting Torquay is it being lower league it not having these big sponsors in you know and keeping away from what I see the premiership is eating itself really you know with all these and so how do you feel about those bigger names getting involved with your club and what the future could look like yeah I think one of the things that the guys have have done really well is keep the local sponsors so okay we've 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 not got Ivor Williams trailers on our on the front of our shirts um and and, and the local community that that have supported the, the football club but that doesn't mean that they're not still supporting uh, Ive Williams now sponsor our shorts um, and, and actually the work that they do with the local community and the work that the football clubs continues to do with the local community has meant that we still feel at the heart of everything but we're as, as a fan base we're really ambitious we still very much see ourselves as we're really a league one club rather not even a not even a football league club but definitely a, a league one club and when you look at who is in that league and who we're likely to to compete with then I suppose in a way we're, we're kind of, we're really happy we've got these national or international brands on board. And I think more importantly, we're really happy 
that there's no betting club in sight or betting firm in sight that's, a, that's a sponsor. Yeah. We've so, talked about this quite a lot on the pod and it's something me and Nick certainly both feel really strongly about keeping betting away from football. So it's really, really nice to hear you say that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those that it's such a such a crippling addiction. And not only that, it's it's something that, you know, clubs don't seem to be able to stay away from. Um, I think it, I, I was reading, I don't know if it was last season, that sort of 18 of the 24 championship clubs were, were sponsored or had some kind of ties in with, with betting companies. Um, you know, and obviously things have been ruled out in the past, your, your alcohol sponsorships and, and uh, tobacco sponsorships. So it is really nice to have seen, whilst you could have probably could quite easily have, have picked up and there's, I mean, I know LV bet do an awful lot with, with the National League, but to have avoided that minefield is, is a real positive from, from an outsider's perspective as well. Yeah, I think so. And I know I've seen numerous comments from, from Wrexham fans applauding the club because there's no doubt that these kind of organisations throw a lot of money at football because um, it's a target-rich environment, unfortunately. And it's not something that I think as a, as a local community within Wrexham and, and certainly we're connected with the football club that I don't think there's, there'll be any fans that would be overly happy about getting a betting firm involved with the, uh, with, with the football club. It's really, really good to hear you say as well that they've really connected with you. Um, it's it's quite easy for as an outsider to see these big names buying your club and thinking they're pl- using it as a plaything. They're trying to make some money out of it. So to hear that they're still involving you and you know very much involved with sports trust is really, really good. Um, and did I see news that they are attending soon? <laughs> um, I don't know whether anything's been confirmed. I know that there's a number of. Uh, uh, newspapers that have printed articles to say that uh, that they will be attending this week um, and and have chosen your your wonderful football club to be the uh, to uh, to join the circus, shall we say? Um, if they do, I think I think one of the um, I think you can put two and two together and get any number from four to about a hundred with what's been going on um, a couple of weeks ago, which was our, actually our last uh, our last home game against Chesterfield. All of a sudden, if you looked over to the opposite stand that I sit in, um, there was a, a, a beautiful new gantry with sort of about 30 very nice looking padded seats um and the executive box on the on the end looked like it had had probably significant amount of uh, of work being done to it so that was kind of one of the the the, the kind of the rumors that they were they were inward bound shall we say i know rob's been filming in uh, in ireland with his tv show and that's just finished uh, ryan reynolds obviously put on uh, social media that he was taking a break from filming and there's a, a really good um, social media interaction between Ryan Reynolds and John Cleese um, where Torquay got a mention. I'm pretty sure it was a Faulty Towers reference, but you, you kind of put it all in there. And like I say, you're either you're either coming up with four or you're coming up with 100. But um, there's certainly excitement around. I checked the, the tickets um, just before we, we recorded this um, and um, they appear that we've pretty much sold out the grounds. Um, so I don't know how many fans that you guys are, are bringing up. I know it's a fair journey, um, but, uh, but there'll be, there'll be, again, there'll be over 9,100 there on, on Saturday, which is remarkable for, for our level. 
That's absolutely great. I love the idea that if you're rich, you get a comfortable bum. <laughs> if you're poor, you're just yeah. on a hard seat. <laughs> I've, I've got a 10-year-old who is desperate to go now because I said, oh, I said Ryan Reynolds might be at the game and he's a massive sort of Deadpool fan and stuff. So he he's desperate for me to find childcare for my daughter so that we can go along and, and go up to the game because he thinks he's just going to rock up there and Ryan Reynolds will shake his hand, sign an autograph. So this, it's not going to be quite that easy, I don't think. But um, you've also uh, had a new pitch laid for the game, haven't you? We have indeed. The, the pitch was relayed in the summer and was terrible um, and was really, really bad. Uh, so, yeah, so we against, after the Chesterfield game, we, we, we dug it up. And as we're able to do now, now that we've got, I suppose, now that we've got the investment there to, to be able to do it, I can imagine it, it's, it's cost a, a fair few fair few quid to, to do that but um but it, but it was it was well needed uh, for us so we'll we'll see how that kind of holds up on on saturday really you don't, so use, looking you forward don't use the to... grass though do you it's, it's all bentos <laughs> bentos are throw-ins absolutely why wouldn't you when you've got a rocket like that i know <laughs> well, funnily enough we've, on, um... we've we've only just actually worked out how to score from one of bentos's throw-ins <laughs> one of the biggest complaints that's been from Wrexham fans is we've got this we've got this throw-in but we've got no one that can actually head the ball into the goal um but against chesterfield was the first time that uh, that, that we managed a goal and then we scored we scored again at the weekend from from one which is nice so looking forward to the game on Saturday then. Um, how do you see that playing out? Um, I think it's interesting. If you look at who we've played so far, so we've we played, what, 10 games. Um, I think we've played pretty much every team in the top eight and we've played two of the teams in the, in the, bottom, um, in the bottom 10. And we, we've kind of... I'd, I'd class us as flat-track bullies at the moment. So... Um, although the game got called off, we were two 0 up at Aldershot at halftime. Eastley, we were t- we were two 0 up at halftime. Obviously, we played Barnet, and we're three nil, one three nil, and and particularly comfortable could have been, could have been a lot more. But then when we played against the teams at the at, at the top end, so we were, we were very well beaten by by Grimsby at, at, the, at their place. And um, and you look at like Chesterfield, we really struggled and Stockport. Obviously, we 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 lost. So it, it's been difficult. I think Turkey will be a really good challenge for us. We have got a good home record. We, we're yet to lose. And I really don't like saying that on, on things like podcasts when, uh, <laughs> when we've got a game coming up, but we're yet to lose a game at, at home. We've won two, drawn two. Um, but I'm, I'm, look, I'm confident. You, you can't help not be confident with the team that we have on the team that we have on paper and we've recently in the last week changed made a change to our formation which has meant that the fans are probably a bit happier and I think we're playing a bit better football although we've only changed it when we're playing Marine in the FA Cup replay and um and and also uh, and also Barnet so we'll time, time will tell I guess I, I wish we could give you more of an insight into how we'll be but we have we have been so <laughs> up and down so far this season I think We've had the same issue is that we've played a lot of the the sides that are in the top half at the moment. So we've played Grimsby, we've played Chesterfield, we had uh, Bromley and um, uh, Boreham Wood that we played as well. And and we've been quite soundly beaten in, in a lot of those games as well. And we're currently sort of trying to search for a bit of consistency after having lost a, a number of players over the summer. Um yeah. We we got a couple of loanees in 
um, last week and obviously kept a clean sheet and one of them scored. So hopefully that will have done wonders for their confidence. They'll have bedded in and we went back to a, a back four having started the season as a back four. Then we went to a back five to try and get a bit more solid, which worked for a little while. And then we slowly sort of mistakes started creeping back in. So we've got a couple of, um, you know, got these couple of low knees in and what have you. Um, I mean, what what style of play should should we be expecting when we come up there? Are you a passing side or do you like to go a bit more direct? Um, I'd, I'd probably say we we are slightly more direct than a, a lot of the teams that you'll you'll see in 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 the league. Uh, when we were playing three five two, we had a a very defined system which was effective when it works. When it doesn't work, it's absolutely horrendous to watch. Um, which was one of the one of the three centre halves, either the right or the left, gets the ball and hits a long diagonal. Um, looking for space out, out wide for, for one of our wing backs. That's changed. Um, like I said, we, we, we're more set up in a sort of 4-2-3-1 now, um, in, which means we probably can't go as, as direct as often. Um, one of our areas of real issue was our midfield was getting bypassed a lot. Um, but we've moved Bentoza from centre half into a kind of a holding, holding midfielder, which, which adds a bit of physicality. Um, we also managed to bring in um, Sean Brisley, who was a, a, a signing in the summer, but has got injured in the first preseason game. So he's just come back, and he adds a huge amount of leadership. And um, so we kind of look a bit more solid at the back, um, a bit more commanding. As, as as well uh, so I think you'll see you'll probably see a mixture of there'll be we certainly like to get forward quickly um, but there'll, there'll be a mixture of of kind of passing through the midfield but don't be uh, don't be surprised if you if you see some uh, some long diagonals being played as 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 well and um, but I think for Rex and fans we, we just it's like kids football for us. Just give the ball to Paul Mullin and, and just let him do what he does and, and we'll all be happy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not done too badly, has he? He sort of hasn't, hasn't maybe scored as many goals as you might expect, but there's also a certain amount of, of adaptation to the league, I suppose, as well, having probably had a little bit more time and space in, in League Two when he, when he did very well last season. Um, and where you see with someone like Shamanga at Chesterfield, who's been in the league for a few seasons, he's he's made that step up to, to Chesterfield, and you know is as you you know a phrase that you used a moment ago, he's he's a bit of a flat track bully. He he tends to score a lot of goals against the sides that are you know have always been below him in the league. He just now happens to be in a side that's higher up, so he can score more against more sides. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean Mullen himself seems like he's just starting to just starting to hit the ground now. Yeah, I mean, look, he's scored six in his last six uh, games. Um, so in terms of the goal scoring, but it's what he does off the ball. Uh, he he got described um, by uh, by a fellow fan as an absolute rat. Um, he's he's just tenacious. He doesn't give defenders a second. Um, if you've seen his goal against Barnet at the weekend, he dispossesses. There, the centre half um, from about 25, 30 yards out runs into the runs into the box and 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 smashes it into the kind of the bottom corner. He scored all sorts of all sorts of goals, but um, we're we're kind of really lucky. I think a lot of fans actually feel that he probably won't be the top scorer this season. We we feel that if Jake Hyde can can stay on the pitch and and not suffer with too many injuries, he'll probably end up scoring more goals because the work that Mullen does 
in setting things up for for other people and those that are around him is 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 phenomenal and uh, i think there's always that worry when you bring someone down from from obviously the level that he was is he going to come in and as a bit of a, a show pony is he is he going to want to be the big i am and is he going to work hard and there's no one that works harder than Paul Mullin on on the football pitch for uh, for for Wrexham which is which is just a joy for us all to watch as as fans oh that's great um so Obviously, there's a, a player that sort of is quite familiar to to all of us. Um, is is Luke Young still out? Is he is he heading back? I mean, he, I know he's he's done very well for you because he left us after a couple of seasons which were were really blighted by injuries. And he for, for us as as a central midfielder was always always so hardworking. He was he was brilliant. We you know I was so disappointed when he left. Um, but he seems to have been very, very consistent for you. Score, I mean, score some incredible free kicks. That was that was always always his thing for us. Um, but he got did he get injured in the game that got abandoned at Aldershot? Was that right? Yeah, he he, he picked up a, a an injury. He's he's out for eight to ten weeks. I think was the the, the last I heard. So he's he's still some way off um, coming coming back, which is which is a shame. Luke Young is one of those footballers that. Um, it can almost be a scapegoat for some Wrexham fans because they don't see necessarily that if he doesn't score a screamer, then people will start to question why what he what he's doing for the for the team. But I think we've all noticed the, the a difference when when he was he was out of there and he's he's very quiet, he's very unassuming as in terms of it, an individual. But he settled in really well into into Wrexham. I think they've we've changed the name of our goal of season award and just automatically give it to Luke Young every year um since he's uh, since he's uh, he's been up here and yeah he's he, I think he's one of, he's got to be one of the fan favorites just his commitment to the to the cause but somebody that you'll never shout about what he's doing but for those that actually I suppose understand football at a deeper level will will really appreciate what what he does for the football club and I don't think he scored this season yet, so we're, we're still waiting for the the thirty yarder to um, to go in. But he's got a bit of competition on on free kicks um, now, so he, he's probably second, if not third, in the list of of people to actually take free kicks behind Paul Mullin and, and Jordan Davis. So uh, so he's, he's, he'll have to fight for that place back to get the get the Luke Luke Young goal of the season award back again. So do you think this is going to be a good season for you? Do you see you being as contenders for going up, getting in those playoff spots or even automatic? Yeah, I mean, look, make no bones about it. Playoffs is an absolute minimum requirement. Um, you can't invest the amount that we've invested in the in the squad and, and the setup and behind the scenes as as well and and not get into the playoffs. Um, I think we were always going to have a a slowish start. Um, I think there was a, a large proportion of our fan base that thought we'd go and beat everybody 5-0, which is just nonsense. It was never, ever going to happen. Um, we had a tough start on paper. It turned out to be a tough start. We've only lost two games in our first 10 game, uh, two in the first 10, which I think is good. We're hard to beat. We're horrible to play against, I can imagine. Uh, we're strong. We're physical in terms, in terms of that. And I think we're just going to get better as the season as the season goes on, and when you look around the other the other clubs that are going to be up up and about, then I think the ones that to be worried about are the ones that can go and strengthen 
as as the season goes on. Now, Wrexham, we're in an unfortunate situation. You'll notice that Stockport County have been uh, splashing the cash in the last couple of weeks with Crankshaw and uh, Sarsovic, um, who I imagine that you guys particularly don't like, given the Plymouth uh, Plymouth connection. But um, when you look at uh, when you look at that, we're not allowed to actually sign anybody until January. So because we play because we play under the Welsh FA, even though we're in the English League, we're restricted by the international um, transfers. So uh, so we're not allowed to strengthen our squad until uh, until January, which I think you'll find that we probably will invest in in probably one or two, depending on how our season uh, how our season's going. So yeah, I, I think we'll struggle to win the league this year, but I, th- I do think we'll. I'd be disappointed if we if we if we don't finish in the kind of the top three or four, really. I mean, I'd like to say that we wish you luck, but we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there was something else that we wanted to talk to you about today, which is Andy's Man's Club. Yeah, um, it's it's something that I'm I'm privileged to um, to, to kind of really be involved with. And um, it's, it's a men's mental health and suicide prevention charity that's been going five and a half years. It originates out of Halifax. So the, the Halifax group is based at the Shea Stadium, obviously where FC Halifax Town play. And um, I walked through the door uh, with, with those guys about three and a half, almost four years ago at, at the Oldham group. Um, so even though I'm a Wrexham fan, I, I did leave Wrexham about 20 years ago. And as you can tell by the accent, I'm very much a Manchester-based uh, fan now, nowadays. And um, from there, I've, I've gone on to set up two clubs for them. So I set up one in Manchester City Centre. And then the, uh, the second one, which I now run, is at Altrincham, which is based at the football, uh, based at the football club. And uh, we operate every Monday night and it's free to, to come down. It's between seven and nine. And it's for any guy that... Do you know what? Just want somewhere to to kind of go on a, on a, on a Monday. Like you, we we see everything from guys that feel a bit lonely, feel a bit isolated, all the way up to people that are, are kind of suicidal at the at, at, at that state at that stage. And it's a peer support group, so no guy gets told what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. There's no professional advice given there. It's just peer support. It's just come meet a bunch of guys that want to make their life better, and and learn how to you know what talk about your shit really because as blokes were terrible at doing it. We're terrible at being aware of how we feel. And then once we do realize how we feel, we tend to turn to drugs and alcohol to escape that feeling. Whereas actually we're trying to provide that platform that you can come and talk and nobody's going to judge what you say. It's, it's, it's all good. It's, a, it's The stats are absolutely alarming as well with uh, male suicide versus female um, in this country. And I think, you know, lockdown kind of made it any easier. Um, my partner, I was like, oh, have you spoken to your friends? And, and lots of them just didn't even, uh, lots of his male friends, they just didn't talk the whole way through lockdown because you usually meet up in the pub and, and that's how you chat and talk. And I think there's a real difference isn't there with the way that women communicate you know we, we I was calling my friends on zoom useless zoom boring chats but we were we were still we had nothing to talk about but we we're still sort of checking in on each other a lot more so I think that it needs to be um, a real change in culture and it's interesting because you know what we're talking about with gambling as well it has so much to do with men's mental health as well so it's really nice that your club is committing to keeping that out as well yeah and look we, we see over a thousand guys a week um, and while we're really chuffed with those numbers because that's a lot of guys that want to help themselves 
and that's a lot of families where the guys are helping themselves as 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 well but we're only scratching the surface um and it's really pleasing because uh, um seeing the 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 amount of um involvement that we have in in your local area as as well as five or six clubs within devon and cornwall um which is which is fantastic and, and they're so well received um but there's so much more that we can do um so any platform that that we get to, to to kind of talk about what we what we do and what we offer is is um is is really important it's really important as well to get the message out because like you say as as guys we're kind of we're drilled to keep keep your feelings inside keep everything bottled up a little bit and you know and not not to talk about things that maybe don't necessarily bother us on the surface, but it's when things die down, when you sit at home on your own, and it's those things that that, that can start as a tiny little problem that through just sitting, if, if you're at home on your own, particularly, you don't have anybody to bounce a conversation off either. Um, so, you know, any opportunity to also tell people just, it's all right just to chat. If you want to talk to somebody, there's always someone who who is there to talk to. But to have these kind of these platforms and these these sessions that that you host as well, just to just to rock up there, you don't even have to say anything. It's just to be around a few other guys, and you know sometimes it can be as simple as just sitting there and having a coffee with somebody. And it's it's great that that there are these places that are sort of springing up everywhere now. Um, and, and you mentioned that you do something at Wrexham as well. Yeah, so I was really um, lucky to ask that this, we set this up just before the the, the takeover happened, but myself and um, a chap called Steve Lloyd, who was the, the sort of communities director for, for um, the Wrexham Supporters Trust, um, wanted to do something for, for Wrexham fans um, or for the for the male population within, um, and, and Wrexham, I don't know whether you guys have been, but it's a very working class town. Um, with sort of mining routes and 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 the like as 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 well. So we were really keen to to put something on that supported um, Wrexham fans through um, through the back end of the 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 lockdowns and um, and support. So we have a, a Zoom meeting um, every Thursday night. It's it's eight till eight till half nine. Uh, sorry, seven till half eight. I got the times wrong there. It's ninety minutes, just like a football match. Um, and it's a mixture between, again, get, again, giving guys the opportunity to offload stuff that they've got going on that they're worried about. But then we always ask questions around things like favourite Wrexham player or, and, and then bring it back to the football club, which is why, what we're all about. But the, the really pleasing um, thing around, around that is this season, because of Dragon Chat this season, Wrexham have got three season ticket holders for guys that wouldn't have gone to the football without that. So without that place to talk, but without building those friendships, they wouldn't have got, so Wrexham have effectively got the, the three extra, three additional kind of season ticket holders for guys that were just that worried because of their mental health with the rising levels of anxiety, that they wouldn't have put themselves into that situation, not really knowing anybody to go and watch their football club. So being able to do that as a collective and bring those guys together and bring those social interactions together to enable everyone to go and do what absolutely what they wanted to do, which is which is go and watch our our, our football team is is something that we're we're really proud of and we're really pleased that the backing that the new owners and the the new chief exec have given to Dragon Chat as as well that it's um 
it's on their radar and it's something that they want to continue with and look at how they're building. And um, one of the good things that that's just been or is about to be announced um, is the fact that we're actually starting a, a women's group as well. Um, it's not something that I've got direct contact. It's Steve that's that, that that's kind of um, kind of doing that. And we also have Proud Dragons as well, which is our LGBT. Um, Q community community group as, as as well. So it's something that when we talk about the new owners and their whether or not they're, they're, they mean that they want to bring the community together, you just have to look at the initiatives that the football club currently offer and want to develop to make sure that we're very much, because the strength of the communities obviously shows in, in the football club and vice versa. That's really incredibly positive to hear. We're sort of battling a little bit. We're talking United at the moment to get involved with the, I'm not sure you've seen it, like the Her Game 2 stuff as well. And, and you know, it's really hard. It's really hard for men. There's so much stigma about talking about your feelings. There's such a um, an issue with culture there. So to have people really actively trying to change that and, and get men talking, I think is absolutely great. And in quite an informal setting as well. I like that you can just chat about football too. It's not... It's not, you know, you don't have to come and talk about how you're feeling. And, and I, I bet you see that gradually, once people are talking about football, they might be a little bit more open to saying how they're feeling at the moment after having that sort of more informal chat. So that's really, really good. Um, for anyone wanting to know more about it, you've got a website with all the details on um, that anybody can visit and have a look at. And we'll include that on, we'll include that link on our, um, on the link to the pod as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Andy's Man Club is andysmanclub.co.uk. Also, if if you don't have a um, a club that's close to you that you can attend, there's a an online session as well. So um, all you need to do is is email in info at andysmanclub.co.uk, and they'll send you out a link to the online. So that we actually get people from across the world that join join that every every Monday every Monday evening. Fantastic. I mean, thank you so much for joining us. And what we'll do as a, as a last bit then, go on. You, you said that you talk about your favourite Wrexham players ever. So who is your favourite Wrexham player ever? Oh, it's a great question. We've had some unbelievable in my, what, 30 years of watching um, the football club. Uh, it's hard to, to, to kind of narrow it down, uh, but I'll give you a couple if, that, if, that's, uh, if, if that's okay. Um, the first ever Wrexham favourite for me was um, a guy called Carl Connolly, who incidentally we, we signed from um, a club called Napoli. And that's not the Italian Napoli, that's Napoli in the Liverpool Sunday League. We literally signed him from Sunday League football in Liverpool and what a player he turned, he turned out to be. Um, and then in addition, Darren Ferguson was, was one of my favourites to, uh, to, to watch the way that he just used to stroke the ball just just effort effortlessly he was um an, an, an outst an outstanding uh, outstanding player and then um yeah to, i suppose two more trundle and lee trundle and, and andy morell lee that, trundle lee trundle scored for years and years and years just bang i feel like he got swansea up all the leagues right he, <laughs> he was he was about 32 for about 10 years i think yeah, well, I, th I think it was about 26 when we signed him from Rill, um, and we we kind of made him professional for the f for the first time. And he had in 2003 when we got promoted from League Two to to League One, there was there was him and um, Andy Morell up front. I think Andy Morell scored best part of 40 goals that season, and and Trundle um, didn't score as many, but it was just a pleasure to watch. 
the the tricks and the when he did score he didn't score a tap in it was 30 40 30 40 yards uh, it, lobbing it was, the lobbing the keeper or an overhead kick that that was they were his two favorites yeah it was it was always the the quality of goals that impressed me about Lee Trundle it was never the never really the volume it was the yeah. skill with which he played so yeah and no, I I get that completely no worries what do you guys think the score's going to be on Saturday Are you guys confident um oh. Oh. <laughs> you, you can ne- you can never be confident with us because we we have been quite literally at the at the top of the mountain or in in the depths of the valley with our performances so far um i'd like to think that with that bit of confidence that that we got from saturday we we be, we might be good for you know a battling point maybe um i think you guys especially if if the owners do turn up I think, you know, in front of 9,000 very, very vocal fans, we probably have a couple of players who maybe don't necessarily currently have the strength of character. Um, we've, we've been kind of decimated by injuries again recently. So we've, we've had our captain, Asa Hall, has been out and uh, Tom Lapsley, who we signed from Colchester in the summer, he's been out recently. And, and they're the two players that are the ball winners. They're the ones that hold in midfield. And without them we do tend to be a li- have a little bit of a soft center. So if we can get one or both of them back, then that would be, would be great and, and might give us a, a better shot. Um, but as I say, you know, we've, we've had moments this season where you, you wouldn't have expected us to necessarily pick anything up and we have. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go, I'll go one all. Uh, I'm not saying we're going to lose again because the last time <laughs> I, I said that we were going to lose, some people just would not let it go. <laughs> so um, I think I think you'll score because our defence isn't isn't quite there. But I do think our new striker, I reckon, he looks quite uh, threatening. So I reckon we will as well. Um, I'm going to say two-one to us, but I'm not even sure I believe it. <laughs> what do you think, Dan? Well, normally I would always back Wrexham to win. And and I think this week, obviously, we play Barnet on on Saturday. We we play Maidenhead Tuesday night um, away, and then obviously we've got you guys on 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 Saturday. The one thing that I will say about Wrexham and every Wrexham fan that that listens to this will appreciate this: when the game is set up to be a big game with a lot of stuff going on, we are terrible. So, part of me, my head or my heart says that we'll probably win. 2-0, 3-1, something along those lines. My head says from experience we'll lose 1-0. <laughs> so I hope it's I hope it my heart wins, to, and, to be honest with you. And if, if we had Sam Drewiff here, who's one of our regular podcasters, he would say, I fancy us today and we'll get absolutely spanked. <laughs> It's the joys of supporting a, a non-league team, though, isn't it? You have absolutely no idea what team's going to turn up. The thing is, the players are at non-league level because they're inconsistent. So, you yeah. know, a lot of our players are, are playing where they are because some weeks they have fantastic games and some weeks they're they're absolutely terrible. You put, we've got Armani Little who will probably play in the centre of midfield on Saturday. Now, he can he can be absolutely horrendous. I mean, he's our top scorer this season, and yet he still polarizes opinion. But put him on a nice big pitch you know newly laid it's going to be a fantastic surface he could do anything from go completely missing and be anonymous for the entire game or give the ball away for your winner or he'll go and get two goals and, and we'll end up winning the game yeah you say nice big pitch interestingly enough one of the things that 
Parkinson's done is actually narrowed the pitch. So he's brought it in about t- six to 10 feet, maybe from last season. So oh, it's actually a lot narrower that's, that's, than it that's has That's good been. to know because we have got no wingers. <laughs> we we don't we don't we don't have any wingers if if the pitch is narrow that probably yeah. works better for us because it'll allow us to stay stay in shape a little bit better okay there you go playing into your hands you should have yeah. every faith hopefully so <laughs> well like i say thank you very much for joining us um thank you to everybody for listening and also thank you to rowena as well thanks bye see yes. you next week <laughs>